Good morning, everybody. Uh, it's good to be here again, knowing that uh, and being able to see those who've have greeted us this morning. It's so good. A special uh, hello to Jonathan Kaler. We see him on there. I don't know whether he's watching the whole program or at least just got on to say hello. Uh, one of those Timothys that we talked about, uh, the young men that we care a lot about in ministry uh, in Wichita. Man, Jonathan, if you're still there, we love you and Sarah. Miss your faces. Man, we need got to spend some time together. Uh, it's good to see a number of others that are there and think about you always. I, I will let you know uh, uh, just uh, as we continue to go through this, we, we, we have our new uh, series that we're going through simply called Daniel. And the reason is, is because we're going to walk through this book of Daniel. I encouraged you last week that if you wanted to read ahead, and hopefully you did, so you're familiar with the, the chapter two that we're, we're in. Jonathan yeah. will be in until his service starts. Oh, okay. So Jonathan, hang in there, man. Hope, <laughs> hope things go well this morning. Um, uh, it, I hope you, hopefully you had time to read chapter two. I'll encourage you to go ahead and encourage you to read chapter three for next week uh, as, as, as we move along. Uh, but today, chapter two. Uh, just just to, to remind you where we are, this book of Daniel is based... Uh, the location uh, is Babylon. It's during the captivity, or actually at the very beginnings of that captivity, as we saw in chapter one. Uh, the four characters, main characters we talked about last week, uh, are uh, amongst the first to go to Babylon. They're from that royal family. And those characters are, are, are of course, Daniel, uh, so named after this book, uh, Hananiah, Michelle and Azariah. Now they're Babylon. We, we talked last week about how they are being indoctrinated in, into Babylon because they're going to be in the service of the king. So they're learning literature. They're learning uh, the language. They're learning uh, uh, all kinds of things. They're 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 eating food from the king's table. Or that was what we dealt with last week, uh, where where these young men we we see from the very beginning that these four specifically, out of all those who were brought from, uh, uh, from Judea, from, out of Jerusalem, from the royal line, these four are identified as being faithful before God. And they did it through the simple thing of, we really don't want the food from the king's table. We'll just take vegetables. Thank you very much. Um, also, their names were changed. I, I didn't emphasize that last week, but Daniel becomes Belteshazzar. Uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah become Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What? Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, I thought I said something incorrectly. But anyway, um, when, when we look at, at this, uh, it, we're, we're just at the beginning. It's when, the beginning of chapter 2. Let's just jump into chapter 2. And, and, and here's the story. It really is all based upon a dream that Nebuchadnezzar has had. It is a disturbing dream. If you had a disturbing dream, uh, uh, maybe even a, maybe one of the reasons it's disturbing, maybe it's a reoccurring dream uh, or something like that. We don't know whether this is reoccurring for Nebuchadnezzar, but he has a, dr a dream that is troubling to him. So, and, and matter of fact, this is early on in, in his being king that says within his second year. Uh, so we're, we're thinking that what happened was was while Nebuchadnezzar uh, wasn't king when he was in Jerusalem besieging it, 
But after he returned to Babylon, then he took this place of becoming king. So in his second year, early uh, in his reign over Babylon, he has this troubling dream, and he summons together all the wise men of Babylon. Uh, not all of them, but he, he summons together probably the, those who were the leaders amongst all the wise men. And, and so he gathers them together, and actually they're listed in the scripture as being magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and, and astrologers. Those are the wise men. Um, and and he, he, he lets them know, uh, I, I want you to interpret the, I want you to tell me my dream and I want you to interpret, interpret this dream for me. And so uh, the wise men responded and they said, okay, t King, just let us know what the dream is. You tell us the dream and we'll interpret it for you. And the king said, well, I want you to know that I have firmly decided that... Uh, you are to tell me my dream and then interpret the dream. And he said, and if you can't do it, uh, just to let you know this is a firm decision, I'm going to cut you into pieces. I'm going to cut all the wise men of uh, Babylon into pieces and I'm going to turn your houses into rubble. And if you're able to do it, the one who's able to do it, I'm going to reward you greatly and, and bring you honor. And so, uh, so, I, I can't imagine the stress of the wise men, but they responded to the king again. They said, oh, king, just tell us your dream and then we'll interpret it. Now, the king is becoming furious. He's angry about this. He said, basically, you're just stalling. You're, you're, uh, uh, you're, you're, you're not giving me what I've asked. And, and therefore... Uh, after and, and therefore he he goes ahead and he he sends out the order begin killing the wise men of Babylon uh, go out and and cut them into pieces turn their homes into rubble uh, well actually let me, let me read I wanted to read our passage verses ten and eleven this really is the response after the king responded in, in the way that, that he said. Uh, here, here's what the, the wise men responded to him. In verse 10, he says, The astrologers answered the king, There is no one, there is no one on earth who can do what the king asks. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one could reveal to it uh, it to the king except the gods and they do not live among humans. I, I think this might be a time when the, the, the wise men are just blatantly honest as best as they could be honest with a king. We can't do this. No one could do this. It was their conclusion. This is when the king becomes absolutely furious and he lays out the order uh, to begin executing the wise men of Babylon, which would include Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now, we'll get on to that story, but I want to start with a first point this morning and, and, and emphasize this, that the wise men of the world, definitely in Babylon, what we can see right now, the wise men of the world are not so wise. Just simply that. Uh, there are limitations to those who are wise. And I want you to think about Babylon a little bit or any kingdom at this time. 
any kingdom would have an advantage if they had knowledge and and not just knowledge but had correct and and right knowledge so for any kingdom to have understanding to have knowledge was an important thing also to note uh this is kind of uh you know I don't know, it's significant, but this is about Nebuchadnezzar himself. His name, uh, right within his name is identified the god Nebo. That's N-E-B-O or N-E-B-U. Uh, and, and that he is the god specifically of knowledge. He's the god of, of learning, writing, astronomy, prophecy, all these things. Uh, the Babylonian god Nebo is right there within Nebuchadnezzar's name. Name, I believe knowledge was important to the king. It's important to the kingdom. Therefore, the wise men of Babylon were significant for the king. They were, they were the important source for information. They were the answer men uh, to the king. And so when he called them together, again, these magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, astrologers, matter of fact, in, in some ways of thinking, the, these are the guys we could, that, that would be uh, right up there with scientists today. They were observers. They, they did have knowledge. And, and I want to take away from, from what they had and, and what was available to them. But they sought other sources as well. When we think about magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers, we're thinking about the things they were looking into are stars. Uh, they're looking into... Uh, and, and, and using hallucinogens and, and drugs and, and, and things involved in, in, in what they were doing. They also were uh, calling upon the dead because, hey, the dead know a lot more than the living. Uh, they were consulting spirits, evil spirits, uh, good spirits, whatever. They were looking for all kinds of sources to give them good knowledge and good understanding uh, to be able to uh, clearly even... Uh, interpret dreams as well. I want to think about the wise man today. Well, I, I did a little uh, little research concerning dreams. There's psychologists and others, even spiritual people who have written books on dreams and, and have labeled certain things. For instance, uh, for someone who's, who's dreaming that they are pregnant when they're not pregnant, who continues to, to dream that they're pregnant, uh, Basically, the meaning behind that is you are going to birth something. There's going to be a new beginning for you. Or, or maybe a reoccurring dream of falling uh, might be for someone who has something special or some work uh, that, that's stressful. And, and that dream of falling is representing failure, the fear of failure. Uh, I gotta be honest with you, when I was a teenager, I worked at Dillon's and I was a, a sacker. And I had a dream, not just once, but a couple of times of sacking groceries in my underwear around people. And, and I have not had or sought any kind of interpretation. I, I have a feeling they would just say, Ronnie, you're just strange. So I don't need an interpretation. But anyway, so there's people who are putting together these books that says, this is how it's interpreted. Spiritual people are saying, this is what God is telling you in your dream. Be careful with that. Um, I, let's, let's think about, again, the wise men of the day. Who are they? Oh, we would consider them to be teachers or professors, uh, scientists. Uh, if, you, if you consider where we get this word science is from the Latin word that means knowledge. Knowledge is important to us. And therefore, you know, we think about professors and, and those who teach and those who, who are 
are very much pursuing knowledge and they they find knowledge by observing and and man the difference between uh, Babylon to today wow what advantage we have today uh, with some of the things we've been able to do oh my goodness the things we're able to see uh, clear uh, to, to, and, and to identify everything's from atoms uh, to our DNA uh, which in my lifetime has been something discovered and and uh, and even to the the far reaches of of the universe with the satellites that are taking images and sending them back to earth uh, oh the things that we are able to observe and and to begin answering questions of what things are and and how things are connected and and what they look like uh, we definitely have some advantage but I think even in this day that, that our wise men uh, are not so wise, especially when we think about scientists of, uh, in history and even scientists of today. Those wise men who are educators, professors, scientists, who are ignorant of God or reject his existence completely, they have a disadvantage in the very fact that their foundation for believing and for discovering, discovering rejects God rejects the creator who put it all together it's it's flawed immediately now they leave it just the fact that they would leave out uh discovery i want to think back and 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 that's definitely what we see of the wise men of this day there was no knowledge of god they were pursuing all kinds of fields but had no connection to the true god daniel did however and the second point I want to make for you this, this morning is this. God will always know more than we do. God will always know more than we do. He definitely knew so much more uh, than the wise men of Babylon. And that was Daniel's advantage. Um, Daniel uh, had that advantage over the wise men of Babylon in the fact that he knows God. The continued part of the story, the Arioch was the, the commander of the king's guard, and he was sent out to execute all the wise men of Babylon. And, and so he, he came upon Daniel and, and laid out, hey, this is the order, and Daniel respectfully, I, I love the way that, that the scripture uh, points out that Daniel replied to him just uh, tactfully uh, and, and approached him and, and found out that what had happened and Daniel uh, then made his way into the king's presence and, and requested from the king, King, I could, uh, I could provide for you the information you're asking. I could, I could tell you, uh, give me time. Let me, let me have some time. And the king responded and gave him that time. And in verses 17 and 18, here, here's what Daniel did with that time. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. What did he do? He didn't go uh, try to consult the dead or look at stars or, you know, that was all frivolous. He went to the source. He went to the one who knew all things. He went to God. God is all-knowing. The, 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 the fancy word for it is omniscient. He is all-knowing. And so Daniel turned to God. And that evening, in a vision, God answered Daniel. 
God responded to Daniel, gave him the dream and interpreted it for him. And with that, Daniel gave praise. And I, we, we just really blow it this morning. If I didn't uh, let Daniel speak to, to exactly what happened here, he gave praise. Verse 20 says, Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. Listen, Daniel makes it very clear. One of the reasons he knows everything is because he's in charge. He places kings. He removes kings. He, he uh, uh, arranges or changes times and seasons. It's all in his hands. How does he know everything? He's in charge. He goes on to say he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. Look at the position Daniel and his friends have attained. Uh, so knowledgeable that they received such a, uh, in chapter one, that they were, boy, no one compared to these four young men. Is it because they were so bright and smart? I believe they were so bright and smart because they had uh, this commitment, this faithfulness to God, and they knew God. Uh, he goes on. He says he reveals deep and hidden things. He knows that lie. He knows what lies in darkness, and light dwells with him. I, the revelation that God bestowed through His mercy gave to Daniel. Uh, he just declared it. He said, "You reveal what's in darkness. You reveal those mysteries." And then verse 23, he says, I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what uh, we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Now listen, he goes to the ancestors. Who is his ancestors? Well, it's God's people, patriarchs. Uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Moses who led them out of Egypt, uh, the God of King David. Who, who is in their line, uh, part of their family, uh, would, would be Daniel and his three friends. Uh, even as close as Josiah, who was, who was one of the, the best kings of Judah, because he, he, he went back into the temple, he, he found the scroll, he began to follow it, he began to be respectful and, and sought to be honoring of God, repented for the nation. And, and so uh, I'm not sure whether father or grandfather or, or connected as uncle or, or, or some way was connected in their family, but they knew Josiah. They knew the stories of, of ages. They knew the God of these men and they placed their confidence in him. I don't know where your beginning is. For, for me, it was, it was my father and the church I went to, there was ministers and others. I, I, man, I, I'm just thinking about Chris uh, Romero and, and we sat down and talked about his uncle. Chris, if you're watching, I remember that and, and thinking about others. Man, people faithful in the church that have influenced uh, some of us who are younger uh, in, in age and, and what an impact they had on us. Uh, and, and, and just to the point that we have been introduced a true and living God. And that's where he is. We know the God who, who, who knows everything. And he will always know more than we do. He'll always know more than humanity will ever know. And that leads us to our final truth. And it's the fact that of this, that humanity can gain greater knowledge if we begin with humility. To humble ourselves and to admit that God is and that he knows it all. He's created it all. He is, he is that sovereign God. Now, Daniel reveals his humility before God. Yeah, in a couple of ways. First of all, his approach, he knows that God knows the answer. So he approaches God and he appeals to his mercy. Oh God, 
uh, reveal this dream to me. Reveal the dream to us. And he appealed to God's mercy. I believe that was all humility. Daniel knew his place and Daniel knew God and his majesty, his glory. Um, Also, in his approach to to, to King Nebuchadnezzar, after, after it was revealed to Daniel, the next day he goes before the king and the king actually says, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Dan, Daniel gives a humble uh, response. It's not what he's able to do. Here's what he said in verse 27 and 28. He says, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. We heard that before, right? From these guys themselves who who the king was seeking from. They can't do it. But in verse 28, he says, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And Daniel goes on and begins to reveal the very dream that that Nebuchadnezzar had, the the dream of the statue uh, with the gold head and the breast of silver and the bronze thighs and the legs of iron. And what was he revealing before Nebuchadnezzar? He's, well, it's the kingdoms. Yo, hey, you're the, the head of gold, but there is other kingdoms to come. Following you is is the is another kingdom represented by the breast of silver. Some think it was Medo Medo Persian Empire, and then then followed by Greece, and then followed by Rome, and then there's going to be this. What's even more important to this? There's going to be a cut out stone, not cut by hands, and it's going to come and it's going to crush the feet and absolutely wipe out this statue. That's what he had in his dream. And then that stone is going to become a mountain. I believe this this last one, uh, God is revealing the kingdom that is to come, a kingdom that's introduced by Jesus. You see, God is all-knowing, and he has not just Nebuchadnezzar's days all understood, but the kingdoms to come, and his, his, his focus, his purpose is to bring about his kingdom which we are now a part of through Jesus. And and amen to that. I I don't want to miss this. Then we we, we begin and think about how Daniel handled this, but then look at the king's response in verse 47. Um, And actually verse 46, he comes and he prostrates himself before uh, Daniel and and he he offers up incense and, and offerings before Daniel. And here's what he says in verse 47. He says, the king said to Daniel, uh, surely God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries for you were able to reveal this mystery. Now Nebuchadnezzar, who obviously uh, had, could not trust the wise men of Babylon, uh, he, he put them to the test and they failed. But Daniel presented to him the God who knew all things and who presented to him this dream and is revealing to him what is coming. And and Nebuchadnezzar, great Nebuchadnezzar, who's seated upon the throne of over all Babylon, uh, touting his strength, falls prostrate before David, who, who is just new to this country, and, and, and just begins to give God the praise and recognition he deserves. 
I think it's an amazing story. It reminds me much of what Joseph happened in Joseph. You remember in Exodus, where Joseph uh, is able to interpret a dream and afterwards uh, Pharaoh makes him second in all of Egypt. Well, in, in verse 48, uh, what happens to Daniel, he is honored. He receives the position that it says that the king made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge over all its wise men. <laughs> Daniel had an advantage. Dan Daniel absolutely had an advantage. Why? Because he was humble, because he knows the God of, of all understanding. He, he knows the God who's in control of it all. Uh, the God of his nation, the God of Israel, and, and the God who is our God today through Jesus Christ. Amen? Isn't that right? I, I, I'm reminded in this of Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, where, where Solomon says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, a recognition, a reverence, a belief that God is and who he is. It changes our perspective of all the things we discover and that we begin to realize in this world, even in this day. Uh, we have such an advantage of understanding the way that things are and, the th and even the way that, that uh, uh, things are going to continue to unfold because God is our God. Uh, matter of fact, I, I don't even want to use my own words. I, I had so many thoughts to share about right now, but I, I really would rather go to what Paul told the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. Listen to this carefully. Here Paul says, where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? How can God, uh, ha has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Now, I don't have time to read all that. As a matter of fact, I encourage you, read 1 Corinthians, that, that first chapter. Look where he's speaking of the foolishness and, and, and the wisdom. And, and that what, what is considered foolishness is the cross of Jesus Christ. And, and, and especially considered foolishness to those who are perishing, to those who are ignoring, to those who turn their back upon it. But to those who know why Jesus came, it, it, it is life. It is the wisdom of God presented before us. Oh, we have an advantage. Listen, I'm not worried about the coronavirus. I'm not worried about, I, I'm not stressing about it at all. I'm not worried about global warming and what I'm being told to be scared about in this world. But I follow what the scripture says. I, a matter of fact, what is the problem with the world? It's a world that ignores God. It, it is a world that turns its back upon God and rebels against him. That's what's wrong. It, it was in my life of rebellion and ignoring, and I was living in my sinfulness. And if you still are there, you're living in your sinfulness. But, but to the people I'm speaking to, our advantage is God. We know him. We know him. And, and we know his story. And oh, the significance of the cross. Because it's through the cross, all that brokenness and that sinfulness is wiped out. And what we have looking in store for us is, is 
oh yeah, the difficulties of the world is going to continue on. But God has something special in store and it's in that great mountain at the end of this to be a part of his kingdom that is eternal. <laughs> oh man. This is pure knowledge. Uh, his word. And, and we have the opportunity to know more and grow more as we learn and trust God in every day. Is that your focus when you hear the news and, and, and know that this is not out of God's control, it's very much in God's control? And that when we are worried or, or when we are stressed about something, we have a place to go to just like Daniel and to lay it at his feet, lay that burden at his feet and, and have him answer our prayers every day. He really has answered our prayers in one ultimate way and it's through Jesus Christ. We are a favored people because we have the opportunity for great knowledge because we know the God who knows everything. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you. We thank you for this day. Every opportunity we have to come together and to focus our attention uh, upon your word. The story of Daniel. Lord, I thank you for it so much. Uh, to think about the circumstances, the pressures that's around him, and yet for him to live faithful is such a testimony to us today. That, that Lord, no matter the circumstances that are around us, no matter what's happening in our lives, within our families, or difficulties that are pre uh, presented in our nation or even in our city, that, Lord, you're still God. And, and you still care about us, and it's still within your control. And, Lord, we have the opportunity to trust you and to live for you and go even beyond that, but be a, a people of your kingdom, that eternal kingdom and to make an impact upon this world around us. Lord, we pray that the people who don't know you or the people who have rejected and turned to you will hear the message of Jesus and will have the opportunity to respond. Help us, Lord, not to be dormant in that, not to be still, but to speak that precious name of Jesus and to give him the praise that he deserves out in the open. Uh, it is in Jesus' name we pray, amen.